passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to this week's Cafe Hangout. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. Welcome to the Cafe Hangout, your Thursday at 3 o'clock appointment with the post-wrestling crew. Thank you for tuning in. We have a fun show planned for you. We are going to be joined by our own Andrew Thompson later on in the show. Andrew was in we, Baltimore. We, own, we have people now? Our yeah. own and, Andrew Thompson? Our own. Not, not anyone else's. Amazing. Uh, Andrew will be joining us. He was in Baltimore this past weekend covering StarCast and Full Gear. So we're going to unpack that event, events, plural, with Andrew and chat about uh, what the latest news is going around the world of professional wrestling. It never stops. And that's why we're here to try and make sense of it at all. Do you think it'll ever stop? <laughs> Do you think it'll ever be a One day, time? everybody in the industry no wakes up wrestling. and says, we're doing nothing today. <laughs> Everyone is staying in bed. Nobody's picking up a phone. No one's going on a computer. Nothing happens. Not one website gets updated. The world is on pause. You know how we have like on Earth Day, like it's like a, you know, like everybody's hour shuts of the observation off. where you turn your lights off. Maybe an hour of shutting wrestling off. No yeah. wrestling news. No new wrestling. TV Everyone turns shows. their lights off, and then there's a surge at the end of the hour where everybody <laughs> is demanding the electrical grids to be. Uh, activated and distributing power so that that is not a scientific breakdown that's just my theory Mm -hmm. on how these things work uh but happy november 14th is that is this a a significant day uh it's my brother's birthday today happy birthday Uh, that is very significant scorpio yeah happy birthday to the day after scorpio sky got his win over chris jericho almost like they booked him to win just because of that they're booking by horoscope yeah yeah well, happy birthday to... Be- beating a fellow Scorpio and Chris Jericho. It was his birthday this past damn weekend. You're, damn, you're good. Yeah. Wow, not only are you great with, like, pay-per-view dates, you wrestlers' birthdays as well. Damn. Very nice. Not bad. Not bad. I'm very impressed. So, Mr. March 14th, uh, <laughs> if you want to give us a call, which we're always happy to take your calls, 365 days of the year, 366 next year, give us a call at one seven three two eight hundred four four two three, or you can Skype in by... Searching for post-wrestling. We're going to be taking your calls throughout the show. I want to throw some topics out there for everybody. Uh, Some of the news this week. CM Punk appearing on WWE Backstage. What are you hoping to see from CM Punk on this show? What expectations do you have of this show in general? Are you looking at this for uh, to go beyond the surface subjects that... Uh, you'd kind of expect from a WWE studio show. Do you see this being sort of a new age version of Confidential, where they'll go into some topics, but they're going to stay away from others? I kind of wanted just an assessment on WWE backstage, and if CM Punk being on this show is going to make you a regular viewer when he is on. Uh, other topics to discuss, it's it's a relatively quiet weekend. What are you going to do with your weekend? This weekend? 
we've got the World Tag League kicking off from New Japan, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a priority for most people out there, but it's, I mean, we don't have any major pay-per-views. There's a UFC card in Brazil. That's what's going on. It's yeah. a it's a quiet one. What are you going to do this weekend? You know, I might even sit down and read a book about that. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what's happening on Sunday afternoon in Toronto? Sunday afternoon in Toronto. No. You could basically uh, walk down the streetway because the Santa Claus parade will be happening. Of course. Yes. This is like WrestleMania weekend for you. New route this year. Wow. I believe it starts at Bloor and Parliament at 12.30. How early do you line up? See, I have not gone to a Santa Claus parade in years. Uh, It sounds like you, you have to get there... A bit early if you want to get uh, a decent spot and be able to see something, especially if you have uh, a small child that wants to be able to see everything. Mm-hmm. It's actually better to just go onto the Santa Claus Parade website and volunteer to be a clown in the parade, which I've contemplated, to you, be honest. Of course, of course you have. Of course you have. Um, well, uh, I, I look forward to hearing your, your review of it. Um, I'm not going. Oh, you're not going? No. You're not going? No, I'm probably just going to watch it. Just too much hassle, you know? Is that it? It's 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 very difficult. It's also at a very awkward time with a, with a two year old because that is his nap time. So right. it kind of throws everything out else out. But my biggest concern way is that the parade is at twelve thirty, and then it airs on TV at four thirty. Can I avoid spoilers? <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen? It's going to be on tape delay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never know. How's like, this going to affect viewership? I mean, being on a on a three-hour delay. Could be a last-minute swerve, and Santa gets taken over by uh, somebody else. Yeah, imagine that. At the end of it... The Easter Bunny show. Oh, and then, like, the, the Santa Claus parade fans are going to be... Oh, it's so predictable. Every year, it ends the same way. So unoriginal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I've never really been much for, for those types of events. Uh, other than the time I actually joined a Santa Claus parade... Um, uninvited with you for your bachelor party. That's right. That was that was interesting. That was fun. But we, um, we were in Montreal and we were out. We went to the Montreal version of the Santa Claus parade, mm-hmm. and we were dressed as elves. And then we just joined in on the parade. And yeah. there were how many of there? How many? Were I would there? say we were probably six, like seven, seven, eight deep. Yeah, there were like eight of us. Let's say, and there were at least two of them that would not join this parade with us for fear of repercussions. Oh, yeah. I thought to myself, if we get in trouble or somehow, at the at worst, we're going to be asked to leave. At best, maybe we get arrested, and this is the greatest story ever. This would be worth it. So we were all in, and then we got approached and said, uh, excuse me, what section are you in the parade? And I just, I shot my shot. I just said, oh, we're, we're in uh, section 2C. <laughs> didn't work as if these are seats i didn't know what theater. this meant but i just picked a number <laughs> and a letter i was like maybe this means something and they she just looked at me and was like okay you guys can go another three minutes and then please just depart the parade route and that's it okay and i said all right it all right. suggests that they had a modicum of respect for what we were doing and they were you like know, okay the you guys are not causing any harm you are very much on brand here in your elf costumes <laughs> three minutes and then you're out I said, okay, that's fair. It it was probably, I think, um, I would say the my favorite part of your bachelor weekend. And for a lot of people, I think bachelor parties. It wasn't pers- going to a bar to watch the Manny Pacquiao fight. No, uh, it wasn't that. No, uh, and I think bachelor parties in Montreal mean a lot for a lot of different for other people. But for me, it was joining the Santa Claus parade with John Pollock. 
after the parade, we're we're walking still in our costumes, and all of a sudden I hear John, and I look down and it's a. Uh, uh, my former roommate, Luke Doucette, yeah. who's living in Montreal, who just randomly runs into me, uh, dressed up in an elf costume with my friends. And that's what I recall. That happens. I ran into a former classmate of ours this weekend, JP. Oh, JP no Zilli. way. Yeah. JP Zeely. I hadn't seen this guy for 12 years. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I'm in a bar and he's like, here's a guy who's looking at me. And I'm like, I know that guy. So it's like, you know, we catch up. And of course, like... Everything that happens in the span of 12 years, he's got a kid now. He's just like, you know, like a little younger than Max. Wow. Um, it's it's just amazing having these like experiences where you're running into people from 12 years ago and all of a sudden you realize, yeah, oh, a lot happens in 12 years. See, I'm very conscious now when I do run into people that I try to avoid the cliche questions. Yeah. The ones that I hate answering and also hate asking. So instead you you ask them about their thoughts on climate change and... Yeah. So, what do you, what'd you think about the last election? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I don't know. I don't run into too many old friends. Let's be let's be honest here. Actually, it was a one of my best friends in elementary school. Her birthday was yesterday. Another birthday, another Scorpio, and I just wished her a happy birthday. And then it's usually like once a year we connect on our birthdays and just talk back and forth. And actually, you came up. So did I here? We're we're really gonna get to wrestling topics. I'm I'm just at some point. So honestly, uh, whenever you guys decide to call in, um, happy birthday. Hope you're doing great, John. Brackets Pollock. Hi, John. Thank you. It's been forever. How are things? How's the baby? I respond. He's doing very well. He's talking a lot. I'm running my own business with a friend of mine. Uh, we're doing that full time. It's a news and podcast network. Hope you're doing well. Response, that's awesome. I see your Facebook posts sometimes. And then I realize there's a lot of Facebook posts about our shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, You still work with wrestling, right? Or report on it? Yes, I report on it. LOL, that's the word I was looking for. You're a journalist. Happy face. Okay. Are you going to tell me who that was? You wouldn't know them. This is my friend from elementary school. Oh, your friend from elementary school. So it's not somebody I know. I was just saying you came up in the conversation. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like every conversation I've I've had over the past five years with people that I've run into from school. Do you ever get tempted to just make up answers? Like, how's work? Yeah, maybe like, you know, that's I haven't done that yet. Maybe I would. Maybe I would just craft a completely different identity, maybe a different name, you know? Yeah. Uh, funny thing about work. Uh, I don't do it anymore, period. I'm just living off my land. I'm a monk. Now. Yeah. I got a giant inheritance. Yeah. I'm traveling the world mm-hmm. and I'm I have zero responsibilities in my life. Nothing. It would certainly be a lot more memorable. Yeah. Just just make stuff up and see if you get called on it. I will try that. <laughs> Moving on. Uh <laughs> let's take our first phone call. Oh, who's you on do the that? line? I don't know. You tell me, caller. What is your name and where are you calling from? And how's work going, caller? Yeah. Oh. Hello, hello. Hello. Okay. Yes, we can hear you. Hi. Oh, hi. My name is Mikhail. I'm calling from Fairfield, California. How are you guys doing? Hi, hey, Mikhail. Mikhail. Okay. Um, I don't really have a question. Um, I just wanted to say, like, you guys do a really good job. I'm watching AEW right now with my grandpa, okay. and he's like really been enjoying it. So that's just one thing that I wanted to say. You're yeah. watching at this I moment how- right now. Yeah, can I'm we, watching it. Can we talk to your grandpa? I watched that work yesterday. Um, 
he's like on the phone too, so I can't give him. The is he calling into that. a rival show? Is is he calling in the Wrestling Observer Live this second and saying the exact same message think, to them? Yeah, probably. Okay. Okay. Well, you're you're He's enjoying what what match is he watching right now? We're watching Hangman Page and Pac. Okay. Oh. Well, don't spoil the ending for me. Like, um, because he watches wrestling all the time, so he was just telling me earlier how interesting he thinks, like, Cody is, which is really interesting to me. That's his favorite guy? That's his favorite, but I just thought it was interesting because he, like, watches all the wrestling. He watches... He watches everything more than I do, so it's kind of crazy. Did Did he have a chance to watch the uh, Moxley versus Omega Death match on su- Saturday? No, but I'm gonna show him and see what he thinks. I'm cause... really curious to know what your your grandfather might think of that one. Yeah, but I'll write in and let you guys go. Thanks for um, taking my call. Oh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Mikhail, for calling from California. Ne- next time, please uh, get your grandfather on the phone. Yeah, we'd love, love to, to hear, hear from him. I will do, guys. All right, you have a great day. All right. Uh, we have a few announcements for SmackDown on Friday night. Daniel Bryan's going to be on Miz TV. They're doing a rematch with the New Day against <clears throat> the Revival for the tag titles. And we also have the addition of Lacey Evans to the women's SmackDown team, joining Sasha Banks, Carmella, and Dana Brooke. Great. SmackDown in Philadelphia. Awesome. It's amazing how little interest I have in any of the Survivor Series matches versus what I think they're building up for War Games. You know, uh, especially when it comes to the War Games matches themselves compared to these. I think the women's match has been built up very strong. Um, I'm excited to see Matt Riddle and Finn Balor. That should be a really strong match. Survivor Series itself, there was, I guess after you shot the angle last week, there was really no need for a follow-up this week. But to me, Brock and Ray has been promoted very effectively, although it was hardly even brought up this week. Did Did they announce that match officially? Oh, yeah. Oh, they have. They announced it after the attack last yeah. week. I guess this week, they I mean, neither of them were present at the taping, so you couldn't really do anything. Ray's over there, but I guess they just opted um, not to follow up with anything. Huh. So Okay. Let's go back to the phone lines here. We got Jared Black on the phone. Jared, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. How are you? It's uh, 6 o'clock in Brisbane, Australia right now, so oh, wow. um, no work for me today. But, um, yeah, it's good to join you guys for the first time. Yeah. Oh, thanks very much, Jared. What's on your mind? Um, I really wanted to give you guys a call. I originally was supposed to be attending Wrestle Kingdom this year in Japan, but other holiday plans have uh, changed my schedule a little bit. And the reason I was really disappointed in that was I really wanted to go and see these two nights that they've got uh, they've got planned for Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, I know it's pretty early, and you guys might have talked about it before, and we'll talk about it soon. But any predictions on what's going to happen with this whole double title situation? Because I really do think this is the time that they want to pull the trigger on Naito and uh, and really go full force with him and finally give him that win uh, in the second night uh, over Okada. But yeah, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Yeah, if 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 I had to make a prediction today, I could see Okada retains against Abushi and then loses to Naito. I think it's important that Naito beat Okada at the Dome because that was... You know, the big story of Naito losing to Okada the last time they, they had their Wrestle Kingdom match um, two years back. So I think that that should be kind of the the culminating moment for Naito to regain the IWGP heavyweight title against the, the guy that he lost the title back to at Dominion back in 2016. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I, that's that's where I could see things going. But you could you could make the argument that Okada could run the table. You could also I really don't like the idea of Ibushi just winning for one night or and I also just don't see him coming out of both nights with all the titles either. Now, what does that do for Kota Ibushi having, you know, all that momentum coming out of the G1, winning with the briefcase and failing, not just potentially on the first night? If not winning? winning. um, Yep. I think it's important that we see Ibushi at least challenge for it separately. And that's probably, yeah, what'll happen on night one that he at least goes a decent length uh, with Okada and, uh, you know, puts in a good effort. And even if he fails, at least it's not a WWE standard thing where he leaves, loses the briefcase beforehand and they just switch the booking and something goes differently. But I think if he puts a strong showing against the Carter and then maybe challenges Naito sometime next year uh, and they kind of pick up that world title program for Ibushi. But thanks so much for taking my call, guys. I'll leave you back to it. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much. Jared, thank you as always for the, for the call and, and as well for the uh, c- consistent support. So thank you so much. There's also, they're going to do the winners on January 5th, but also the losers will face each other. Uh-huh. So you could have the scenario where Ibushi loses the first night, wins on the second, and then you have Naito Ibushi finish off that feud at a future show. Hmm. Maybe, I don't know if you go as early as New Beginning, but that's still a feud that has, uh, to me, have one more final match. And that could be Naito's first big title defense is against Ibushi if he comes out of it with a win on night two. In uh, in either scenario or in any scenario, can you see Naito coming out of that weekend not being a champion? Absolutely, because it's Naito. Yeah. So the fact that everyone is assuming his coronation that seems to never occur that that is possible. If not Naito, who would be the most likely person to walk out with the two titles? In my opinion, it would be Ibushi. You know, like I said, coming out with that momentum coming out of the G one uh, certainly would would place Jay White at the lowest. Uh, of that, I think uh, the po- uh, probability, and maybe even Okada above him, just slightly. So you could see Abushi and Naito squaring off the second night, potentially, and yeah. then you get Okada and Jay White conversely on the second night. Mm-hmm. So it's like there, there's reasonable explanations for yeah. multiple scenarios that mm-hmm. you can make sense of that it could go. Back to the phone lines, caller. What's on your mind? Hello, hello, hello. I bet it's Brandon. Hey, waiting. Hi, yes, that Tom is my Brandon. full name. Hey. <laughs> how are you doing? Um, Tom from Vermont. How are you? Hey, you Tom. Do you mind just turning down the radio in the background? Oh, sorry. I can do that. How's that? Very good. What's on your mind, Tom? Cool. Um, I remember John, I, I want to say his uh, review of Raw maybe two weeks ago, uh, got into talking about he was a big Kevin Smith fan and how he wanted to go to his new movie, but didn't know it was a one night kind of occasion. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I was going to say, I did actually go to the one night, uh, screening of that movie. And, um, he talked a little longer and he said that he also saw Kevin Smith, uh, back at the Roy Thompson hall. Was that in 2004 by any chance? I believe so. Okay, I was at I was there too in the building at the same time. Oh, that's oh, that's crazy. Okay, because I was going to school in Oakville at Sheridan at the time, and mm-hmm. I was I, it, when you were talking about it. I don't know if you said Roy Thompson Hall, but you said that you saw him, and I was like, I wonder if that was the same show at the Roy Thompson Hall that I went to. You could have been sitting right next to John Pollock. What a small world. 
<laughs> and uh, I do want to say I, the movie was really good, and obviously it's going to be funny for someone who's seen other films. But there's actually a few moments in the air that are actually probably bring a tear to your eye too, believe it or not. So, you know, uh, without getting to spoilers of this person's role, I, what did you think of the performance of Chris Jericho doing whatever he was doing in that film? Well, I, I mean. I thought it was fun for, I mean, if you weren't a Chris Jericho fan, you'd probably miss it. Like it's a very short cameo, Okay. but, um, but for what it was, I, I mean, it was, it was cool to have him in the movie, but it was very short. Like there was a lot of stars in this movie that they had to squeeze in. So, huh. okay. All right. But I said, Hey, he does a, he does a good job, but yeah, it's like if you blink, you might miss it. All right. Deal. But you recommend the movie. You had a good time. Yeah, definitely. I know I wouldn't pay uh I forget what you're saying for tickets something crazy hundred something dollars. But uh maybe wait till it comes out on Netflix or something like that. That's probably the smart play. Or yeah. Disney Plus at this point. But Yeah, actually I tried, I checked out uh Disney Plus uh also I saw that Mandalorian first episode of that was pretty good. Braden and Davey have a re- review of that right now on uh, up next, so thank you for sending that plug up. Uh <laughs> Uh, anything else on your mind wrestling wise um no i mean i've been a little burnt out on wrestling lately i've been catching really aw but yeah as evidenced by i think your phone call about kevin smith and and the mandalorian um which i appreciate (laughs) which i think our our audience might appreciate from time to time as well so what why exactly what exactly kind of like you know made you stop watching i suppose well i mean i know i haven't stopped I still watch Dynamite. Um, kind of gave up on NXT with. Oh, it got right. really formulaic, and this whole war has been not a good look, I think, for it. I mean, they're trying, but eh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just most Are you okay? I have WWE. Are you okay, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's WWE fatigue, I guess. I I understand. I fully understand. Yeah. Okay. It's well, uh, I've been I've been watching Impact, time, so I guess that explains the problem. So. Oh, so you actually watch quite a bit. How, how have you enjoy, been enjoying Impact? Um. Actually, I really like the North. Um, all right, Andrew, we're losing you. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. The North is a great tag team. <laughs> we, we'll uh, we'll we'll reconnect I at a later know. date. Thank you, Andrew. Okay. Um, no, I tried. I tried, everybody. It's a terrible phone connection, but I, I'm curious about his perspective. So please call back another time. So uh, did you get to watch NXT? I did, yeah. Really hot match to kick off things with Leo Rush mm-hmm. and uh, and Angel Garza. Yes, they had yes, a tremendous yes, yes. opener and seems to be based on the finish that they'll go to a rematch at some point. But what what phenomenal chem- chemistry these two had. It was fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed at how they managed to, I think, do a pretty good job of resuscitating that Cruiserweight Championship on Leo Rush. You know, um, just all you really need are hot matches in front of a very hot crowd at NXT. That crowd was fantastic yes. for that match. I thought it was a great showcase for Angel Garza, who you can certainly see a bright future for in NXT. I think showcasing a great deal of personality and, and, and you know, um, 
the only blemish, of course, maybe being the the foot on the rope deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to necessarily play that up. I don't know exactly if the foot was supposed to stay on the rope the the entire time and that got screwed up somehow. But it, they cut it off in the replay, so it kind of makes makes you believe that something was kind of screwed up. So otherwise, in that uh, it was a really perfect match. Yeah, that that was fantastic. Um, what else did we have? We had the. A continuation for the teams to be set up with uh, Dominic Dijakovic joining the men's team with Keith Lee and Tommaso Ciampa. Riddle's out of the team to take on Balor, and they've left one outstanding spot for the men's team to take on the Undisputed Era. And then conversely, for the women's side, we have uh, Kaylee Ray coming over to join Mm -hmm. Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Captain Shayna Baszler. I I find it pretty cool that... I mean, I don't know if Dijakovic was meant to be on the team anyway, but the fact that you could take... Just because Gargano was out, you could take Riddle out, reshuffle everything, and still have the cards look as good as they do. Like, I'm not any less interested for this for these matches because Gargano's out and because Riddle's out of that match. Like, they can just play around with the pieces because everybody lo- is so strong right now. Uh, so I'm excited for the men's match, but the women's match, I'm really excited for because I think they've done a great job of telling the stories of the entire team. Dakota Kai is becoming like one of my favorite characters thus far in in all of professional wrestling. And she hasn't even had to do that much. It's simply because they set her up on such a great, you know, potential, like, you don't know if it's a heel turn. You don't know if she's just going to side with the baby faces. I thought the, the, the little teases that they had through at the show yesterday were really good. They almost, like, I feel maybe blew it off too soon by just showcasing that she's helping, like, the baby faces. But, of course, that could still change. Yeah, no, she's uh, since the comeback, I really liked what they did last week with with the tease and then Rhea Ripley opting to go with Mia Yim and, you know, teasing something down the road between those two and uh, with Kai getting involved in the main event. What did you think about the the latter match? I really liked it. I I liked it a lot. I mean, and part of me wonders if I was more looking forward to it because I had heard about the crazy cut that Mia Yim had prior to the match. So I, I was almost like anticipating it and knowing that I was about to see a crazy like you know amount of blood but I mean much like the Cody match on the weekend I think this was like an incident that to me accentuated the drama in the match because you got to be able to see what both Mia Yim and especially Io Shirai how they had to improvise to you know cover up this unexpected <laughs> terrible looking injury on live TV and I thought both of them did tremendous yeah, there, were, there was a faucet running from oh Mia Yim's nose after yeah. the springboard drop kick and you could see like the you know they're just trying to communicate here on live television of mm-hmm. what to do and Shirai is just stalling for time and you know they were able to re- to continue the match and, and get everything across but yeah that was a that, that was a big problem in the, in the middle there so yeah we're going to get Andrew Thompson on very shortly, and uh, we'll continue maybe our NXT discussion a little bit after that, maybe even with Andrew. But uh, Andrew Thompson, of course, for many people who are unaware, he is um, the latest addition, I would say, to our post-wrestling uh, journalistic uh, team staff consisting of John Pollock and now. <laughs> we've, we've grown it by 50%. We've doubled, we've doubled our staff. Uh, but he's do, been doing a fantastic job, especially on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays where he posts these very, very detailed updates uh, consisting of pretty much all the wrestling content that might be out there in the form of interviews and, and just any sort of uh, uh, events. Very comprehensive 
Andrew uh, does a great job. So hope, hopeful to get him on the on the show right now. Yes, he's also got a, an interview up on the site with uh, Trish Adora. Uh, if you want to go check that out, that is up at uh, postwrestling.com. And as we mentioned, Andrew was in Baltimore last weekend covering StarCast 4 and AEW's Full Gear pay-per-view. He joins us on the line, Andrew Thompson. Andrew, how are you? How y'all doing? John and Wade, what's going on, my guys? We're doing so, great. Yeah. We are uh, coming off a very uh, packed weekend, and I wanted to get some of your firsthand accounts of going. And first of all, starting off with StarCast, if you can just kind of convey what it was like from your perspective being on the media side of things, um, what the event was like just uh, for coverage purposes. Uh, StarCast is always a good time. I, I had the opportunity to go to the one uh, back in Las Vegas, and that was like that, that was kind of my first experience doing like a, a, a being in a media setting like that. So going to this one, I was more prepared, and it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the one thing that I really enjoyed was the the setup. It was like a really intimate setting, and opposed to the one that was um, in Las Vegas, it was more spread out. But this one was like, you know, it, it was easy to navigate, and you know, it was just a good time in general. What was the turnout like compared to, you know, you mentioned that it's more intimate. I mean, was that reflected in, in the amount of, because uh, I remember going to the very first StarCast, Andrew, and it was almost too busy. Like, you know, John and I doing our live yeah. show and like these crowds for all these like meet, meet and greets, you know, lining up in front of the stage. It was it was nuts. But how was the turnout this time around? Yeah, compared to other StarCast, I would say this one was significantly smaller. Mm-hmm. And that was, and I, I don't know if I, if I was judging that just based off the venue, but it seemed like it was less people that attended this StarCast. And I think that's also because, like, the, the month and just the time of this one, I think that the, the one in Vegas, they had some separation between uh, the previous StarCast and that one. So this one was kind of, um, well, it wasn't like a last-minute thing, but the, the distance between uh, the all-out StarCast and then the StarCast, and it's... It, it seemed like it was just a smaller uh, event opposed to the other ones that I've seen. Do you think it's sustainable that they can do four of these star casts piggybacking off the AEW pay-per-views per year? Do you think that there's a magic number that, that works that people might be willing to travel for? Or is it now almost you, you've come to expect it that if there's going to be an AEW pay-per-view, you want to have the, the, the shoulder events that Starcast provide? I think so. I think so. I mean, if, if I if I was in that position, I would make uh, sure that it's a sarcastic event for our uh, for our pay per views. If I was uh, just speaking from the position, if I was to be in charge of that, uh, it, it just makes sense because I mean, the, I mean, it's already associated with. I mean, even though they're not directly affiliated with one another, you, people still normally associate Starcast with uh, all elite wrestling because they always show up on the weekends. And then it's a great travel destination for people just in general looking to meet their favorite wrestlers and also uh, good for media content as well. Um, one, one thing that I did want to, um, like, so I think they could sustain it, but I think it works better uh, heading into those, uh, heading into the, uh, the spring and summer. I think those are the best times for people to do their travel. And I think, like, as, as we saw, as I saw with uh, StarCast 4, it was less people there, I think, because of the weather. Mm. what uh panels did you get to go to and overall what did you think of the quality of the panels this time around at starcast uh the panels i went to i went to the ron simmons panel and the cody rose panel uh that was hosted by um mcintosh from inside the road yeah i got to go to those two panels and I, i was in and out of the young bucks panel but my favorite panel of them all was the Ross and this panel. It was very like informative, and he was he was very candid with his answers, like something I did not expect. I thought he was going to be kind of um, 
not not quiet, but like uh, he he was very open about uh, his past and you know a lot of stuff that he did in his football career and you know race, but not not specifically racism and wrestling, but dealing with uh, you know all the hurdles that he had to overcome throughout his career. And it was just a it was a it was a great turnout. Like out of the panels that I got to see, that one seemed like it was the most packed. That that's just what I what I saw. Like it was it seemed like it was more seat still for the Ron Simmons panel, and a lot of people were interested in what he had to say. What was kind of the, the the general sentiment that you got from other fans, other reporters that you were talking with about how AEW has performed now that you had you know about six weeks of television to contrast it with, as opposed to these these previous pay per views that were just standalone shows? Did they still have that kind of that buzz attached to the product, and were people generally pr- pretty high on the television or was there a criticism as well that you encountered? I, I, I do think AEW still has that, that new car smell to it just a little bit. Right. Cause I mean, it still is fairly new. Like they're only a month in the television, but at the same time, I think, I think the general consensus uh, from, from those that I spoke to was that it seems like the, the males are getting like that, that, that do- those dominant storylines that catch the eye that make you want to tune in. It's like the, the, the women on the raw side, like kind of being, you know, not, I don't want to say push to the wayside like that, but like you normally see them way AEW dark or you see them one match on the show. And it's like, you, you see the males, they have these, like these big storylines and it's outside of the ring, but with the women is more so like strictly in the ring. And then we go to the next thing. So that was kind of what I took from the other media members that were there. Just from people talking to people at Starcast, it kind of seemed like everybody still has that excitement about AEW and is also the concern about the women's division. This was the first time we saw a lot of the uh, participants of the scrums getting to talk to media following their debuts on television. Uh, you happen to record a number of those and be a part of a number of those, uh, which people can find on our YouTube, postwrestling.com, uh, or youtube.com slash postwrestling, as well as Andrew Thompson's own YouTube. But um, what were your, some of your takeaways from the uh, members of the AEW roster that you spoke to this weekend? Uh, so, well, so... The, the the most what the, the media scrum that I found the most interesting um, just within AEW uh, had to be the Marco Stunt one, and that was because Marco Stunt you could tell he's still like new to that setting, and the, and the same thing with Hangman Page actually. Like there's a lot of people there that actually said the media members, some media members said that the Adam Hangman Page and uh, Marco Stunt you could tell they were still new to you know just doing the media scrums and the you know the rapid fire questions and mm-hmm. the uh, unpredictability and not knowing what somebody's going to ask you in that setting. And I think a guy like um. There, there was one thing a guy, I mean, Sammy Sammy Guevara, when he he did his media from a character, and then he had a question put on him where he kind of like had to step out of character, but he really transitioned really quick back into character, and I like the way he, he he maneuvered into that. So yeah, I mean, like that that was one of the big takeaways. Like I just noticed that some of the guys are still getting used to you know doing the media stuff, and you know, does it bother you? You know, uh, as a journalist, when when you have to kind of navigate between you know kayfabe and, and non kayfabe answers, do you, do you have a preference, or or do you think it's just maybe a colorful part of uh, professional wrestling interviews? From a content standpoint, it does annoy me because I mean, of course, when you go to the media scrum, the point is to get the most content that you can on a, on a, on a respectful level. Of course, you don't want to you know go in there and ask nothing crazy, but uh, you still want to be able to generate content. And when somebody's in character, it's really hard to do that because there's really nothing you can pull from that. But like when when, it, when I see people in character, when I see wrestlers in character, the thing I try to do is come up with a question that 
it can make them jump out of it just for, like just for a second. Like if you can pull something out of them just for a split second, then maybe they'll go give you a longer answer and then they'll jump right back in the character. But yeah, it, it does kind of just annoy me just, just a little bit, like not anything too crazy, but when they um, stay in character for those media scrums. As you're like uh, assessing the, the entire landscape, uh, Andrew, do you think that this is, you know, AEW has been very forward with, I, I think, granting media this kind of access, treating these, you know, closer to oh, yeah. a sports presentation where guys are made available after. This is something you never get in a WWE setting. But, you know, there's other promotions out there that uh, MLW, I think, is very good. Like, there is not a day that goes oh, by yeah. that I don't have something in my inbox about something coming up with MLW. <laughs> uh, Impact holds, like, their weekly calls and stuff like that. Do you see that this outside of WWE, that this is slowly becoming the norm, that the media accessibility, it's starting to, to get a bit better, and there's less of that wall between performers and media? Yeah, that that's what I really like, is that, like you just said, that it's less of that wall and it's being torn down. And it's it's like, when, when, when you try to keep uh, media away from your performers, it it, it just makes it difficult, not, not, not I don't want to say difficult to cover the promotion, but like, like like you said, with MLW, they they're so open with their with their coverage, and they always send in press releases. And you have the media box, so you can easily just apply to uh, get an interview with somebody or speak with somebody. Same thing with Impact; they always send out the press releases, and they do the media scrum sometimes. And AEW doing the exact same thing. It just, it just makes the bridge to uh, company to media or promotion to media so much easier. And then, like I said before, like just from a content standpoint, it's also you know good for the media because we get to be able to. Um, speak with these performers and just gauge their thoughts on what's going on in the company. And it's not hard to, you know, tell, tell what's going on. Cause they, they're, we so, they're so accessible. Now, what was your setup like at, at full gear? And uh, were you able to just uh, watch the show from, from the seats? Uh, where were you during the pay-per-view? Yeah, I, I, I watched the show from the seats. I was in the level 200 section, in the, um, the Royal Farms arena, like the way the arena was set up, it was perfect. Like, I don't know who designed that arena, but I don't think it was a bad seat in there, honestly. That's why it's been in existence for, for so long. If uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, now, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Certainly during, you know, up until the final two matches, it, it seemed to be a crowd that on the broadcast, it would go up and down. Uh, tell us about being in the arena, and were you surprised at some of the uh, comments about the crowd on the broadcast? Was it different inside the arena? You know, I actually saw a lot of stuff about that, like a lot of stuff on social media about that, how it came off on TV or on, on pay-per-view, um, how the crowd seemed, they seemed really low. From my standpoint, they, they were kind of hot the whole show. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I did, there, there were there were some points where it did get low. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I felt like it, it started off really hot with uh, Proud and Powerful and the Young Bucks. And then when Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson came in, crowd went crazy for that. I'm pretty sure that came through on TV and they don't I mean on papers I keep saying on TV. But but um like I, I would say like like I agree with what she's saying. Um up until the last two matches, that is when the crowd like really got amped up and they were really into it from start to finish. And uh that, that Cody and Jericho match, I, I went into that match with very very low expectations. That's why I think I enjoyed it the way I did because I was expecting them to go in there and just try to do it. Like I, I thought they were really going to go to full sixty, so I just went in there with super low expectations, and that that match turned out way better than what I expected. 
Was it evident right away to the to the crowd when when Cody did the dive and sliced up his, his forehead? Was that easily identifiable, or did it take a few minutes for people to realize the the extent of to which he was cut? I, I think if you were sitting on a certain, I think you were sitting on the side. Um, so he he landed to from from the. I'm, I'm so from my view, you could see his face hit the um, hit the. What's it? The inches ramp. You can see his right. face at the end of the ramp. But from the people on the other side, I'm pretty sure that I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the people at the, the bottom row probably saw it. But just looking from the, the upper deck, they probably didn't see it all the way. But when the camera panned on him and you could see the blood and the cut, that's when everybody had that you know, that collective gas. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's legit. Because, I mean, you kind of knew, like, it, I don't think it's no way that he could have, you know, possibly bladed or anything from, from, from that, from just from that right there. And then he hit his head, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that looks legit. I hope they don't stop that. Because they showed him the camera to cut look kind of deep. Your thoughts? And obviously it was when he, when he showed it on uh, social media. Your thoughts, Andrew, watching uh, the main event live, and where do you stand on, on perhaps the side of whether or not that was uh, – oh, what did you think of the match? I was I, I was actually really uh, excited to talk to you guys about this match because I, I really enjoyed the match. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, the, you know, the hardcore-style matches – and you know those type of death, death matches, so to speak. I don't really, I don't really think it was a death match, but I think that was like a really, really good hardcore match. Um, it, it, you know, I understand it's not everybody's flavor. Like that's just the way it is. Like not everybody's gonna like everything. And I mean, I kind of look at it from a perspective of when was the last time like we truly, like truly, truly seen like a a, a true hardcore style match uh, in a major promotion in the U.S. Uh, like we like we see it in GCW uh, often. Uh, you can go to you go watch Big Japan Pro Wrestling. They do it all the time. But like as, just in the U.S., a major promotion, like you rarely see those type of matches. And I think AEW stepped out of the box. And I, I actually liked the match. Like I, I thought it was a a very good match for the hardcore type of style. And you know I, I understand people don't like that type of style, and that's not everybody's cup of tea. But just personally, I felt like I enjoyed it. I feel like I I enjoyed it, and there were a lot of oohs and ahs while I was sitting. And you know, some people look kind of because there were some people who I could tell in the audience who didn't like the matches from where I was sitting, but there were also those people who really did enjoy the match. Yeah, I, I think that the debate has really helped the match. I, I think that it's and one as well that as much as there there were some complaints about the length of it, it never seemed that the crowd uh, as a whole felt this this 40 minutes uh, dragged at any parts like that audience was with that match the whole way it felt like yeah i, I felt like uh omega and moxley they did a good job of like planning i don't know if i don't want to say they planned out the match but they did a good job of laying that out like they started off you know re- regular wrestling and then with normal wrestling i guess and then they quickly got into the the hardcore stuff and they just kept that up throughout the match and you know adding the layers and adding on more stuff and I think that's what and, and then bringing out the uh, the bar wire bed that's what put the put the ice cream and the icing on the cake so it was just a you know I like you said it was um it was a good match and I think the the debate is going to go on and may, maybe if we see more uh those type of style matches in major promotions then maybe people's uh, ideas or thoughts about it might change all right, so after the show, Tony Khan does one of his, his media scrums. Now, I want to put you on the spot here, Andrew, that a uh, hypothetical that after the scrum ends, Tony summons Andrew Thompson to come over. He says, Andrew, big fan of your work. You're doing great stuff at post-wrestling. Just, just tell me, one-on-one, what, what are we doing wrong here at AEW? Just, just tell me, what can we improve upon? What is Andrew Thompson, if, if he is so willing to give his own advice to Tony Khan, 
what would you be saying about AEW of taking the next step now that they've got through their first pay-per-view cycle? Uh, put me right on the spot, John. Put me right on the spot. But, um, <laughs> so if Tony Khan did that, if he did that, I, I would. Like I said earlier, I would honestly tell him that I think you guys need to really put some time and thought into your women's division. Like they're, they're they're treating their women's division like okay, they go out there and wrestle, and that's it. Like you got to make people care about them. Like we all know, we're big as a dentist. Uh, but the the one thing I saw like recently, like they kind of, uh, I guess they're gonna build to a Kiss Sabian and George Nella feud that Penelope Ford is involved in. Uh, like, but I mean, like you, you like, I, I just want to see important storylines for the women. And the thing is, like, the reason I keep saying that is because you see what's going on in NXT and they literally having a, a women's war games match, and it's like, well, why, like, what is AEW doing? Like, they got to get together. Like, the men's storylines are great. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, when you see what's going on in women's wrestling right now, you see all these different promotions and stuff, they focusing and centering in on women's wrestling. It's like, uh, why aren't you guys, you know, getting into that? Like, that that's honestly what I would tell Tony Connor. Um, mm-hmm. And other than that, I would have to sit down and think about it. But it, I would definitely have some more uh, things to say. You know, I, I have the, those same thoughts, Andrew, about just how how different, you know, the wrestling is great on both shows, but in terms of storyline, right. in terms of, like, identity of, of all the different characters, there's no comparison between what's going on in NXT and the women's division in AEW. But I also wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that they've only been around for, really, six weeks on TV, and in that time really had, had had the responsibility of having to establish their their male main event stars. Um, with yeah, the, that, that's that's very true. And also with the added, I would say, I don't want to say handicap, but you know, challenge of maybe having Rio be a champion and and unable to necessarily cut the promos that even somebody like Britt Baker might be able to. That's something I really still want to see them tackle and, and see if they can do effectively. Um, but in the weeks ahead, how would you promote somebody like Rio? For Rio, see, see, the thing is, I feel like. You need to establish a credible challenger or challengers for her. Like the the Emi Emi Sakura, like that that was a good few, but they had to tell that story on their own. Like I saw them mm-hmm. on social media, they had to literally promote that match into the backstory of that match uh, on their own. Like Emi basically taught Rio everything she knows for for, for lack of better words. And you know, um, I, I I don't really know where they should go, but I think the best thing is like for, for building up any division is you need to have um, feuds outside of the title picture. And like, we kind of saw that last night on NXT, like we have feuds going on outside of the title picture, but everything is still ultimately revolving around the championship. That's what it's all going to come back to. Like, that's what I feel like they need to do. And I see impact does the exact same thing. It's just feuds uh, outside of the title picture. And then everything eventually comes back to it. So that's what AEW you need to do. They need to start establishing their talent. I mean, their female, their female talent, and just you know, make give people a reason to care about your women's division. Like, don't don't just leave it to the wayside. Because I'm in, in the tag team division. I'm, I'm interested in their tag team division because there's stuff going on outside of the division. I mean, outside of the tag titles, like the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus thing they 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 did last night when they kind of played up Marco Stud joining the uh, the Dark Order and then Luchasaurus made his return. And he played us at that media scrum. He said he was going to come back in 2020. So he, yeah, he, he fooled us with that one. Can't trust a dinosaur. That's the uh, the lesson yeah, from, from the media scrum. Uh, just just on the uh, the WWE front, uh, obviously it was a big story this week. CM Punk uh, appearing on WWE backstage. Certainly, there's going to be a lot of attention on next week's episode. As 
as someone oh, yeah. that you know is covering the news, what do you expect out of WWE backstage? Do you have any kind of uh, bar that you hold this show to, or do you just look at this as it's a it's a WWE talk show and not to put so much stock into it in terms of what kind of news content is going to come out of this uh, studio show because it, it's kind of an interesting show to analyze from that perspective. I, I try not to put too much stock in it, but at the same time, I do feel like they try to, you know, step into that media role and they try not to be, they, they like, from for what, for what I see from the, from the shows that I watch on backstage, they, they try not to play home too much. Right. But at the same time, like, you, you still kind of do have to play home because that's the, you know, that that's what it is. But I, I feel like the, the CM Punk edition, I feel like that's going to add a lot more viewers to the show for sure, especially because since he announced that he's going to be on there next week, like I know you guys probably saw the rating for backstage. They went from uh, 50K two weeks ago to 100K this week. And I'm, I'm very interested. Like I'm, I'm not even a big ratings guy, but like I'm really interested to see um, what the rating is going to look like next week uh, after Punk shows up just to see like the effect. If, if he's still, because I'm pretty sure he's still, well, I, well, I, well, I guess we're going to find out, but just to see the effect that he has if he still has it on, you know, the WWE product. And I know a lot of people are very excited, you know, because I mean, it's like, it's like we, it's like we, just, just fans in general, we're jumping, uh, we're thinking about Christmas before it comes in regards to CM Punk. Like everybody's like, oh my goodness, he might, you know, this might be a sign that he might uh, step into the ring one day, but I'm, I'm holding my breath on that because I, I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like he might just want to do the media thing and, I'm interested to see how it comes to when it comes to a point that he might have to uh, be critical of WWE, how he handles that. And I'm very interested to see how people react to that that's watching the show when that criticism uh, comes. Yeah, and there's going to be, inevitably, that story that is going to probably test that that theory of someone that, you know, if you're from Punk's position, that you do want to address. And it would have been really interesting if this show uh, had been on the air immediately after the last Saudi Arabia show, or even going into the Saudi Arabia show. And are there going to be philosophical differences there? I think that's more than reasonable uh, to expect. Um, as you're uh, throwing together uh, today's news update, what are some of the uh, the stories you're monitoring today, Andrew? What's, what, are, what are the big things Ooh, going we on? Got, we- we got we got some good stuff in the update today, man. You know we can't give away too much. You gotta let the folks check it out for themselves. But at the same time, we got some good stuff. Uh, this uh, Michael Elgin, he recently did an interview, and he said that uh, he he didn't say which Wrestle Kingdom it was, but I'm guessing it's recent because he he just finished up with New Japan last year, I believe, or he left yep. New Japan last year. He said that it was supposed what well, it, it was the pitch, and it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to be supposed to be him versus Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom in New Japan. Like, mm-hmm. coming up near Wrestle Kingdom, they just immediately scrapped the match. And he said he didn't know what went wrong. And he also talked about uh, New Japan favoring a new, quote-unquote, quote toy that they have. Like, uh, he specifically mentioned guys like John Moxley and El Fantasmo, how they just come in and get all this stuff, and they, they kind of forget about the talent they already have. And it's some, a, bu- a bunch of results in there and, you know, some, some, some notes that I'm sure people will love. And Booker T talking about uh, Jordan Miles and you know CM Punk and Booker T said he was genuinely surprised by the CM Punk thing like he didn't have a clue and they they actually went to go get get dinner afterwards but they didn't talk about anything um, crazy he said it was just small talk. Oh well, you can look forward to all of that up at uh, postwrestling.com. Uh, Andrew Thompson doing uh, fantastic work as we mentioned. He also has an interview up there with uh, Trish Adora, so go check that out. And it'll be this Saturday. 
a busy man here at Post Wrestling. Andrew will be joining Nate Milton for a review of Planet 51, starring Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Hold on. So when Nate, told, when Nate originally told me uh, about, like, asked me to fill in, uh, for the for that, uh, the guest host that he that couldn't make it anymore, he just told me he said it was a movie, and I was like, oh, I, I, I wonder what movie this is. And I asked, <laughs> I, I go and look, I, I, I go and look it up on Netflix, <laughs> and I and I'm like, I'm like, am I looking at the right thing? Like, is this is this is this what is this what I'm watching? So it's it's, a, it's like a kids movie, and and they this, this would kill me. And they said. You you were the demographic. I mean, you 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 were the demographic, like the, like saying like saying the age of when this movie came out. And I'm like, I'm like Nate. I don't know what type of kid you thought I was. I was 13 years old, 14, but I was not watching this. I won't lie. I had never heard of this movie in my life. This is for sure the least watched rock movie ever made. Like, yeah, it's an animated movie where Rock does the voice of. I don't even know what. Like, is this? What 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 is the story here? The the story is okay. that that the show's the the movie's title actually outnumbers the amount of people that probably paid to go watch this thing when it was in theaters would be my guess. But Andrew, shine some light on what Planet Fifty One is or was. Okay, so I, I literally just watched this movie last night, and basically what it is, it's about a, a, a guy, and he. So the, the the rock is playing the role of an astronaut, and he crashes onto an alien planet, right? But the aliens look at him as an alien because he looks so different from everybody else, and the rock looks at them as aliens, and then like they all come together at the end, and it's. it's, it's I'm, I'm not gonna lie, there, there was some moments during the during the movie where I like genuinely laughed. But I, but I was still laughing at Nate. I was like, Nate, what kind of kid do you think I was? Like 14, 14 year old kid watching Planet Fifty One. But I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I enjoyed the movie for what it was, and I'm looking forward to uh, reviewing it with Nate. So well, yeah, that's gonna be a good time. Well, you know what? Um, I know you, you, we got Planet Fifty One coming, but I know not long after this one. Maybe even the next one. I think I'm next. Is the Tooth Fairy. So, John, I think you're on deck, which I'm really excited for. I, I will I will share all about my sit-down interview with Dwayne Johnson at the media junket for the Tooth Fairy. Amazing. I claim this one way back. Unfortunately, it requires me having to watch this damn thing again. So... That will be, I think I'm up next, uh, next month. So, Andrew, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we look forward to your update today and uh, your frequent appearances here on The Hangout. As I appreciate, I appreciate y'all, man. I just want to thank y'all again. You know, I, I, I love working alongside you guys. It's always a good time. You know, thanks for all your support. Hospitality, man. So, yeah, that's all I got to say. Awesome, I awesome, awesome work this past weekend in Baltimore. You were, uh, you were killing it all weekend. So, uh, we, we thank you look, very much, Andrew. You're making us look good. So, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it, John. Thank you again, man. All right. Hope you recover from Planet 51, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I, he, he's actually piqued my curiosity to n- not quite sit down and watch this movie, but you know, I might at least get... broach the idea of watching the trailer. I would consider it two times the speed of uh, viewing on Planet 51 just so I could listen to the review. Minimum. Yeah. Uh, latest update was Arthur's Christmas on huh? Netflix. This is the oh, latest, that's what you watch. This is the latest Christmas. So movie. this, so this is really Christmas season for you, or like it's it, begun. all your free time. Oh yeah, yeah. Movie. I got my tree. Wow, it's outside. Okay, I'll show you after Arthur's Christmas. So yeah. Arthur's Christmas is the story of uh, a Santa Claus whose two sons uh, work in the North Pole, and it's quite the elaborate setup they have. And there's the older son that feels he is next in line to assume the Santa suit, and then the younger son who truly 
loves Christmas and has a real good heart about things. And on Christmas Eve, all the toys are delivered except for one. One child in England, Gwen, Gwen Hines, did not get her toy bike. So Santa kind of says, well, it's only one. And this is really devastating to Arthur and to all the elves when this is found out. So Arthur goes rogue. Are we talking about the aardvark, the cartoon Arthur? No, no. This is a different Arthur. I'm so confused. Yeah, this is a different Arthur. There's more than one Arthur out there. It's a live action film. Uh, No, it's an animated film. Uh, Okay. All right. So Arthur enlists his grandfather, the outgoing Santa Claus that passed it on to the current Santa. And they pull out an old school sleigh. And then they send out and they, they set out to go deliver this one final toy. That's the premise. And your review? I'm not done the movie yet. Oh, so you're partway through. Uh, it, dude, this thing's like an hour and 50 minutes. You're, uh, you're I'm like an hour in. You don't have time for Thor Ragnarok. You have time for Arthur's Christmas. This was Wednesday. This is, uh, this is what me and Max do on Wednesdays. Well, I look forward to to the review. Uh, will you maybe maybe a top ten list is in order for? I could. John I'm Hall. at two already. So yeah. Sa- Santa Claus is number ten. There will be nothing okay. that that is lower than Santa Claus. You know, I look for, forward to these weekly Christmas reviews. Okay, well, I'll, I'll keep it up. Netflix Kids has quite a bit. Neil, our man. I don't know what your history is with the uh, Christmas movies. This guy could voice uh, Santa Claus. Uh, you could pass as a Saint Nick. You think? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, if I've got oh. I, I don't know if I've got a North Pole kind of vibe going on, but okay. you, you have an authoritative oh. voice, Neil. Oh, oh, oh! There you go. There you go. Very nice. I think I think it works. I have um, just a, a couple of comments and then a question this week. If that's all right. Okay, a couple comments and a question. Go. Comment yes. number one. Comment number one is for you, John. Okay. And it's just to say that I think it's very big of you to go back to the. Um, I forget the the call sign for the radio station, but the the UT CIUT CIUT. I thought that was I saw your tweets about it, and that you know, I suppose you were a high school senior. Is that or is in yeah? In I was where I, I am. In, I was in twelfth grade. L- let me yeah. just let me just interrupt. Mouth raised fifteen hundred dollars during his two hour show. His two hour show, which is incredible. Fabulous. Oh man! Yeah. If it, I have to show you when I was in the studio and Mouth goes live. And he just goes for two minutes. It was awesome. Yeah, I heard. Like off the top of his head. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. I'm just sitting there just watching this guy like, in action. I mean, I've always listened to Dan, of course, like talking about wrestling radio. I think he's in his real element when he's like doing a, 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 100%, mu- a music show, 100%. talking about his favorite bands. So uh, it's up, up in podcast form. Yeah, C-I-U-T. you can go up to uh, to uh, CIUT.FM and you can just look up the shows there and it's got a link each week. Uh, Mouth is on there from noon till two and the latest show is always up there. It reminded me a wee bit of, of the old days of listening to you guys on, uh, on my time zone anyway, you know, at an ungodly hour on a Sunday night, Monday morning. Well, this is why um, I did the show, Neil. I knew that you would be able to tune in at a reasonable hour if I went on at noon <laughs> Eastern time for you, which would have been, what, 5 p.m.? That's right. Yeah. And I saw your tweet, and uh, and then Way tweeted out, he's well, he's on air now. So I thought, well, let's have a listen to this, you know. And, and um, yeah, um, I heard him talk about, his, you know, how um, Bohemian Rhapsody was... You know, up from that up from that Queen album is you know the one that everyone knows. But he like, so yeah. I mean, you're right. He was just in his in his element, and so weird because I'm I'm I um I'm used to the mouth from 
you know, tuning into TSN, the TSN website years ago. Um, and it, I didn't hear him speak about uh, music very much. But John, it's, I just thought it was a really, you know, you're you're not Oprah Winfrey or, 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 or you know, some sort of, you know, mega star but you could have big timed and said look you know i've got to, i've got a show to do i'm going to miss one of my uh shows so i thought it was it was good to give back you know and to and to go to go to go do that you know so and and you came over very well I, I'll, and I'm looking, I'll never turn down someone patting me on the back so go on neil <laughs> yeah and, and when are we getting when are you getting that tower at the post office west because you discussed how much it costs to maintain the transmission tower. And that's what we need is a post resting 24 hours a day. That'll be our next Patreon <laughs> goal, having a transmitter tower. <laughs> yes. All right. Comment number two, Neil. Yes. Comment number two is for Way. And this is as someone who's just sort of recently started dabbling around with live feeds and, you know, kind of some of the techie stuff. Um, I'm, I'm stunned, Way, when I watch you on this uh, YouTube feed that, you know, you're able to, um, completely engage in conversation while you're, you know, you set up all the tech stuff, you're doing the live feed, um, you're you're fielding the phone calls, you're doing the levels live, <laughs> you're contributing to the live chat. And I'm just sitting um, here. And you're just conversing. No, John, you know, but I mean, the, 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 you know, it's, you're a multitasking phenomenon. I, and I know you've got lots of experience from the radio station, but I still think it's, Amazing that you can just sit back and look so relaxed while it's obvious you're doing all these things. Wow. So thank you so much. We'll start the live feed at 2.50 p.m. It'll balance out. (laughs) I I appreciate that, Neil. Uh, But, you know, it it certainly helps having John here where, uh, you know, he could very much do do this job himself as well. So I think the two of us together, we make a very good team and uh, we're able to rely on each other and especially callers like yourself who really have come come through really well like i'm always so happy to do this show because all of our calls are often very good that's so. why we're on in prime time in ireland like oh, yeah. we're, we're huge there this is it yeah and your question and Neil. the question was um and again it's, it's really not that much wrestling um well it's kind of tangentially wrestling um related is uh, going back to last saturday night you you guys have talked about your process for reviewing live shows when the two of you get together and it's that pretty much and i, I always laugh when i think of this that you're sitting in silence not talking <laughs> you're just watching it so that you can save your discussion for for the recap you know especially oh, the right. pay-per-views when you're when you're both in the same room watching it yeah i imagine it's, past, it's, it's a bit of a culture shock for Braden and davy when they come over because it's well that, it's that, very that, quiet i really get the sense that like they are they always like feel like we're I mean, they they come here to, to to hang out with us, and I'm sure they enjoy it. And we have we enjoy their company a lot. But I think they're the type of fan who like when they go to a wrestling show, they're like, we see Davey like go crazy on TV. So like, yeah. I think he he typically like enjoys more of like a they enjoy more of a party atmosphere, and they create more of a party atmosphere when when they're watching wrestling by themselves. With us, it's like we're on our laptops. We're yeah. the least fun people to watch wrestling. <laughs> we're the live action librarians. <laughs> yeah, well, the- <laughs> Shh, I can imagine. But that was my you preempted my question, which was this past Saturday was a was a different because it, you you alluded to the fact on your shows running into um, last Saturday that um, 
you had guests and it was going to be a bit of a more social atmosphere. And you mentioned that Davy brought dumplings and so on. And I was just wondering, what was the, what was that like? You know, <laughs> the dumplings were great. Dumplings were awesome. Yeah. He brought, um, he brought chicken and dumplings from this place uh, downtown. You know, I'll be honest. It's very similar to like what, what the atmosphere was like when I used to join the law as a call, scre- call screener watching pay-per-views with you, Dan and Jay, where like mm-hmm. it, it was, I know these guys were working. They were hard at work paying close attention to it. So it wasn't like, you know, we could like bullshit and just like talk about whatever or even like go crazy. There are moments where we have that. But largely it is, it's a bit of a, more of a working environment. And I think Davey and Brayden understand that. They do these these shows themselves too. Um, so in, in the, that particular instance, I mean, it was still fun. You know, it, it was cool to have everybody yeah. around. We all reacted to certain things. I got to get their perspective when, when, for certain matches. They got to, you know, maybe see us at work. But yeah, it, 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 it's always enjoyable. But I will say it's more of a, a work atmosphere. That's really cool. And and just one maybe very brief last thing. I know I had a tendency to go on sometimes. Why not? Well, um, I, I just would encourage... Um, patrons especially new ones perhaps that don't sleep on the archives you know i mean i have been saving up the um <laughs> i'm your hype man go on I, yeah. go on go on this is great i've been, but i've been saving up um the the last few episodes of the of the double shot because i had been way behind with glow and i thought well I, I'm a bit like you, John. I don't really care that much about spoilers, but I do want to hear a recap of some of a show that I intend to watch. You know, so uh, I, I'd rather hear the recap and the, your thoughts afterwards. So I got to um, the penultimate episode of the Double Shot, I think it is, and on that show also, where you recapped very, very well, I have to say, masterfully. I thought the blood sport. Uh, two, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport two, and um, uh, and it, it pushed me to, to to get the VOD and watch oh, it because wow. well you see I wasn't I wasn't very familiar with what that is and I thought well oh, if it's, I don't like death matches Bloodsport sounds a bit you know uh, sounds a bit gory of course it's not it's this shoot style thing and um, uh, so you know it, it's just an example of you know you can go back you can listen to a really good review and think wow I must watch that and I did and I really enjoyed it and there's Tom Lawler now he's a free agent and, and I agree with what you said John on uh, Rewind to Dynamite last night he is I think he's underrated as a talent and even though he's 38 he's in phenomenal shape he's extremely fit and um, um, I'd love to see him in one of the bigger promotions um Impact you talked about as as a possible destination, but I, I'd love to see him on um, AEW would be my dream because he's he's a very funny guy. I mean, I listen to Filthy Four weekly uh, with him and Brian, and he's 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 very witty, he's very sharp, he's very well spoken as well, you know. And I think if he could get to do his own promos rather than anything sort of scripted for him, um, that would be excellent. But I've gone cool. way, way off Th- topic and yes. way, way over time. So th- uh, thanks, guys, for bearing with me. And uh, I'll hopefully speak to you next week. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it, as usual. Uh, as we await the ratings for Wednesday night, yeah, we're still about 10 minutes away. 10 minutes away. Let's take one more phone call or as many as we can fit in at this time. And we go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're in the cafe. What's going on? Hello. Hi, what's up? Hello. Hello. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, guys. It's Derek calling from Orlando. Hi, hey. Derek. Hey, Derek. What's up? 
nothing much. I wanted to talk about actually some MMA real quick. Sure. Um, I wanted to get your take on uh, who, you know, looking at Israel, Adesanya, and Jorge Masvidal, just who you guys think are the, you know, major stars coming out of uh, this year. Which one do you think is bigger, and uh, which do you see seeing having the bigger year next year? Well, I think those would be the two names that you would isolate for stars that were created in, in 2019, which is really something when you look at Jorge Masvidal's year and contrast it to a year ago where he didn't even fight in 2018. Uh, this was someone that had been, you know, a guy that, that's been fighting for 15 years prior to this and just had a remarkable year with the stoppages of Darren Till, Ben Askren. That was a huge victory. And then peaking with the Nate Diaz fight. So I think Jorge Masvidal is in a position for a huge fight in his next go, whether it is with Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, or whether it's this proposed Nick Diaz fight, which um, I I don't know how I feel about the idea of Nick Nick Diaz fighting at this point, but he's got some enormous fights on the table, and I don't think that there's necessarily a wrong choice there. And for Israel Adesanya, yeah, he, to me, is someone that I, I would like to see him stay at middleweight for the time being, but he would be just below uh, Masvidal in terms of uh, breakout potential. I think what Adesanya needs is that that big opponent, and I don't see him fighting John Jones in the immediate future, but maybe that's a fight they eventually get to. But there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on between uh, both of those guys. All right. Uh, All right. Thank you for your phone call. Yes. One final UFC pay per view this year. This the three. We, me and Way were discussing this that that weekend in December, the the fourteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth has SmackDown and ROH's final battle on the Friday. Saturday has the NWA pay per view that Power is leading up to, along with the UFC two forty five show. And Sunday we've got a TLC pay per view from the WWE. That is a crazy, crazy weekend, and they're all just starting to look like that now. Yeah. Back to the phone lines. Caller, you're in the cafe. What's going on? Good afternoon, guys. Oh, boy. I was worried. I was getting worried. It was 4.10 p.m. Where is this guy? He's off <laughs> watching Heroes of Wrestling right now, which I will update you, Brandon. <laughs> I have not watched a second of yet. Uh, oh, thank you for uh, making weekend plans for me. That, that, that will be what I'm watching this weekend. Heroes of goddamn wrestling. I'm, 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 and just for you, I'm going to watch it three times. Okay. Maybe can, can we split it and then I'll watch it zero, three times in a row. How about that in the same viewing? Yes, nine hours of Heroes of Wrestling. Enjoy. Uh, what's it. what's on your mind, Brandon? What what do you want to discuss? I know I know you're gonna make some reference to. I'm gonna guess right now something about the Nick Diaz interview that Ariel Hawani did this past week. What what did you take away from that 48 minute interview? Uh, that he shouldn't be fighting and he should leave Las Vegas. I think Wayne needs to sit down. And watch this interview. Watch the interview, of course. I'm always down to see you. Like, Nick is always a wide-ranging interview. Uh, this thing was just all over the place. They even had to clarify that they, they did have to edit portions of it, that it was just... I. How many questions did Ariel get in this in this thing, Brandon? Four? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, hello and welcome, it's Nick Diaz, was an 18-minute <laughs> answer, I believe, man, give or you, take. If you, think, if you think Mouse could talk, man, Nick Diaz is, is the champion. I think Mouth had more of a direction, though, uh, and was oh, no ooh, Nate, Nick Diaz on like a fundraiser for a community <laughs> radio station. That'd be great. That'd be something. I'm just imagining yeah, it, what that it, would sound like. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You could fucking donate or something. (laughs) (laughs) What else is on your mind, Brandon? It it was disturbing. I I don't know why people want him to fight Jorge Masvidal, let alone anybody. He looks unfit to compete, quite honestly. Is that right? I'm not crazy about seeing him fight. I'll also note that, like, this was not, like, an interview that it was uh, stunning by any sense. Like, this has always been Nick Diaz as someone that I believe I've interviewed Nick Diaz. I've definitely – I remember there was a Fight Network radio show when I was producing it that he called in just to talk to Moro. And it was all over some line that Moro used during one of his fights. And Nick came on, and it was, like, 35 minutes. So that's Nick Diaz. Mm. Um, Have you seen his Instagram? Um. I'm not up at the the hours that he usually is is posting his his oh videos. Is he still just hitting all the clubs? Yeah, he's 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 not in good shape. I mean, I that guy could party all night. I mean, that's crazy, man. I, I, like I said, he should not be fighting in the ring or in the cage. I'm not dying to see him fight, so um, no. it's it's not near the top of my uh, my want list either. So, uh, uh one, one more thing. Do you do you guys know the preview number from? Uh, the what? Uh, AEW? A pay-per-view number? I, I have not heard uh, a pay-per-view number. I mean, it, it's still early. I'm sure Dave will have some early estimate in the Observer today, but I, I would say it's probably like we're a week away from getting probably a, a more concrete number of, of how they did. How, how do you think they did on pay-per-view? Like looking at I mean, the last show that did approximately 100,000 buys, where do you think they would be uh, relative to the uh, all-out figure? I mean, from the, the, the ratings, I mean, I don't know if you saw the ratings bump yet, but I don't know if it's true. So there's, been, but, uh, there's been ratings uh, reported on, on uh, Twitter from various sources. We're just waiting for confirmation from uh, Showbuzz before actually describing them. But, uh, yeah, what was the question itself? We were talking yeah, about I mean, the pay-per-view number and where you see this landing, right. Brandon. From the ratings bump, they probably did a good number, huh? No? So... According to to sources, and again, we await uh, uh, Showbuzz Daily's uh, official confirmation, but um, we have listed here NXT at 730 with a .25 in the demo and AEW at 957,000. With a point four three in the demo, that's a really you know that's a that's a good bump from from last week. Last week it was. 822 for AEW and 813 for NXT. So, so that you saw them go in opposite yeah. directions this week. So, so it suggests, I mean, I mean, we, it shows to me that there is uh, something to, you know, following a pay per view and getting that, that noticeable bump yeah. uh, when you do a pay per view, much like we see Raw. And I suppose whether there aren't necessarily any more people watching wrestling on the Wednesday. In fact, they're just, at least compared this week compared to last week, they're just splitting the same audience. Right. Um, as you look, Brandon, uh, what, what have you found you're watching on Wednesday nights? Are you flipping back and forth? Are you just usually choosing one over the other? And has that differed over the last seven weeks? Well, I was, I was curious about the fallout from the pay-per-view. So I watched AEW and then I, I DVR both. And then I watch NXT later before I go to work. So, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's what I, I usually flip flop, but, uh, Yesterday I did AEW first and then NXT. So, but they were both good. I loved that MJF promo. I had never heard a promo like that in like a very long time. That was freaking awesome. And I'm with you. I hope he doesn't join the inner circle with uh, 
Mm-hmm. But uh, the AEW Mason Ryan. <laughs> yes, Wardlow. Hey, Cirque du Soleil's Mason Ryan. He's a Cirque du Soleil guy? <laughs> yes. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he joined that a while ago. I don't know if he's still doing it, but that's that's what was wow. he was doing post-WWE. Fantastic. So, uh, That's yeah. all I got. I love you guys. Thank I'm you, Brandon. Here. We'll talk to you uh, probably Tuesday for Heroes of Wrestling. Can't wait. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Have you started Heroes of Wrestling? Oh, God, no. Are you kidding me? Heroes of Wrestling is our next subject on Rewind Away yeah. that Brandon from New Jersey has chosen. So that will be coming out next Tuesday night, and Brandon will stop by to give us his thoughts on Heroes of Wrestling. So I've got to sit down. I've got to watch this. I've been putting it off. Just what, have to bite the bullet and watch this. What will this. a third viewing... Uh, what, what sort of new analysis will the third viewing bring? I don't know. It might kill me. So maybe <laughs> you're going to need to speak with Brandon for the whole show, which could kill you. I think we can go to one more call before these ratings uh, come in. Again, we have a preliminary uh, report on Twitter, but we are waiting for a confirmation from our usual source, so, showbuzzdaily.com. Is Tony K on the line? Maybe you can just tell us. It's not right Tony K, but it is a Chris who may or may not be a part of uh, AEW. But Chris, what is going on? Uh, not too bad. Uh, first things first, John, Arthur Christmas is a fantastic film. <laughs> Arthur Christmas. Arthur Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some okay. fans yeah. in the chat room here. Yeah. So there you go. Like, uh, Much better than yeah. Santa Claus. Well, round about Christmas time, my boys absolutely love it. It's, it's, it, 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 it keeps them quiet for a bit. What, what, <laughs> what are the recommendations? Well, g- give me like two others. Um, I'm trying to think. It's generally kind of yeah. Do, do you venture into the new stuff, or do you go back to to the classics, the the, the oh, old the old ones, maybe from your own childhood? You've got to try and pass them down from from generation to generation. It's maybe, maybe not go quite yet to uh, Die Hard, but <laughs> Home Alone very much a Christmas movie. Oh yeah, yes, definitely. I don't know if that's uh, sufficient for a two year old, but I loved that movie as a child. Give, give them give them some inspiration. Yeah, I was excited for someone to try and rob our house. It's like, just try. <laughs> oh, just God. try. I know where the paint cans are. <laughs> well, well with, with, with my two boys, I don't think uh, any inspiration is particularly needed. But anyways, um, what I was wanting to ring in about was CM Punk. Okay. Um, our first call about CM see, Punk, surprisingly. Do you guys see this as... Similar to how WWE have worked in the past with uh, the 2K uh, situation, with like bringing Ultimate Warrior back in, um, and I think when Hogan came back into the company as well, if I remember rightly, was first through the game. Similar in the uh, sense that it's it's like the first step of a of an informal relationship that I think it opens the door, and ultimately, ultimately this is going to come down to Punk if he wants to wrestle again. Believe me, WWE is not going to be hesitating to use this guy. So I, I think it's the same. It's, you know, sides that, you know, just inherently WWE and Punk were not going to get on the same page immediately. So you have Fox as the unofficial intermediary. And I think that it's serving a similar function that 2K has over the years. Yeah, it seems as though, as you say, it's, it's, it is that way in. And I think I'd, I, I'm unsure as to whether we will eventually get a match, but there's there's money on the table from both for both sides. I think um, I mean immediate, immediately as soon as he came out, you look on Twitter, some of the ones, some of the like Seth Rollins, immediately I want that match. There is 
guys there that could get a good match with Punk. It's just who do you go with? Oh, and that's if he wants to do it. Yeah, certainly no shortage of options in terms of talent that's uh, you know entered the system since he's been away. Uh, the possibilities I think are, are really endless, and I personally still feel like it's only it's only a matter of time before he he, he returns. Um, so I t- totally see this as being you know a big big opening of the door for for those discussions. But thank you very much, Chris, uh, for for the call and as well as your patronage. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, numbers times numbers number time. Numbers time. Brutal uh, butchering by myself. 957,000 for AEW, 0.43 among people 18 to 49. NXT coming in at 750,000 with a 0.25 in the ever-elusive demographic. So in terms of total viewers, that is uh, up 72,000 people from who watched wrestling last week than this week. Um, What are your uh, immediate uh, takes? Well, it tells me that there was a... There was a good bump from the pay-per-view from AEW. I think that was the biggest thing uh, for AEW. And for NXT, I think that they... I think that the invasion um, interest, I don't think it carried beyond last week. And maybe that was because it was kind of a a more toned-down version on Raw. Nothing really set you up for NXT this week. And, you know, I really do wonder if I think the disappointing follow-up editions of both Raw... And SmackDown, after that initial great invasion that they did on SmackDown, might have played a factor into the cooling off of maybe the invasion in general. Or maybe it was perhaps the lack of AJ Styles, who is a major star, compared to really, you know, I don't even count Bailey as sort of like the main roster representative here because she only made an appearance at the very end. Uh, all no, these that's factors, not going to make any difference. Yeah, all these factors, I, I wonder if, if they contributed to this, especially, of course, you know, with AEW following up full gear as well. Yeah, I think that that really helped AEW coming out of that. And you also had a lineup like they did promote ahead of time. Chris Jericho would be wrestling on this show mm-hmm. with the, the tag title match. You were going to get Hangman Page and Pac. Um, so they at least did have some matches to promote as well. And I think people just wanted to see the follow-up. I think that there was a lot of steam behind uh, the Cody loss and MJF follow-up uh, with Moxley and Omega. There was a lot of interest in that match coming out of the show. So it shows me that... Just because it's not the day after the pay-per-view, it's several days removed, you're still going to get that that um, that oxygen from Full Gear. And it looks like AEW winning pretty much every demo except for uh, people 50-plus. Correct? Uh, as I look here at both, yeah. So yeah. AEW did, uh, they were fifth for the night among uh, males or people 18 to 49. 0.29 among people over the age of 50, while NXT uh, did a point three five in people over 50 so that's still a demo that they have continued to own over aew and that's kind of been the uh the the one demo that wwe has consistently held on to on wednesday nights yes and i'm trying trying to just you know compare some of these numbers last week um females 12 to 34 nxt actually beat aew with 0.13 versus point one one and this week females twelve to thirty four it looks like NXT did what did we hear point one zero compared to AEW's point two one so big jump for AEW uh, pulling in the lead in that particular uh, demographic which is pretty fascinating uh, and more analysis to come of course uh, from from John Pollock in in the days uh, following yeah we'll have something up tonight on uh, 
on all of this. We go back to the phone lines now. This person's, I believe, uh, been trying to get into the uh, show for quite a bit. Uh, but caller, you're in the cafe. What's going on? Hi, it's uh, Rory from uh, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, hey, Rory. Talk to you guys. What's um, going on? Uh, just, uh, just wanted to know uh, your thoughts on the whole uh, Kenny Omega and NJPW situation. And, uh, yeah, just want to know what you think uh, is going to fill out the rest of the Wrestle Kingdom uh, card. Do you, do you see a John Moxley coming over and uh, filling that out? And uh, what do you expect for New Year's Dash as well, apart from the great ceremony? Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short. Thank you. Thank you Bye. so much. I'm really looking forward to that Liger um, retirement ceremony. Like, I could see us leaving Japan, and that is the big takeaway from the the entire trip is being there mm-hmm. if it's done like uh to the degree that i think everyone has very high expectations for yeah i certainly think so i think that might be you know i especially we don't know what match he's gonna have on that last uh tokyo dome show and i expect that one to be an incredibly emotional affair no matter who the opponent is uh so i i certainly think see that being sort of the emotional peak of potentially the weekend culminating of course with the ceremony on on the on the monday um what else will fill out that show uh, it's I, all going to be secret matches until the day of like that will be they're not going to announce matches not for just your stash i think he was asking about uh the dome shows oh as the well. dome shows yeah i i certainly see moxley having a role you know, I mean, the fact that they've opened the door for Kenny uh, or, or uh, Chris Jericho suggests to me that Moxley will perhaps get that same treatment. And I think they've teased it now with Lance Archer. So I, I could see Oh, Mo- have they? With Moxley? Oh, when, when Archer won the U.S. title that Moxley never lost. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm looking at that match as happening. You don't think they'll uh, finish the story with Juice first? With Moxley? Uh, um, it just seems like Juice is almost being programmed. I mean, if you watched... Um, this past weekend uh the san jose show after archer beat finley it was juice coming out to kind of tend to finley mm-hmm. almost teasing something with, with archer and juice as well yeah i don't know if maybe i don't really like a three-way with with moxley juice and archer i think you go with one or the other well again you do have two nights so maybe you do have two nights you could do you could do juice archer first and then the winner faces moxley potentially yep um i also don't hate the idea of granted they're not the uh maybe the favorite to win the tag league but Juice and Finley is at least something fresh. Uh, I really don't want to see Evil and Sonata win this thing for a third straight year yeah. for the latest match with the Gorillas. I do not <laughs> ever need to see that tag match. And it's nothing against the match, but I just feel I've seen that match oh, yeah. countless times for sure. that I'd like to see something fresh. Now, on the Kenny Omega front, um, this was in The Observer last week, so I just want to read it for, for the context. Uh, when Kenny Omega went to Japan for the DDT show, this was a weekend ago, he was stopped going into the country. It's the third time this has happened since he left New Japan. Something happened where there was an attempt to get him banned from going to Japan for 10 years. He did get in, like he has every time, and worked the show. But he was very bitter about New Japan, and Nick Jackson made a cryptic tweet about New Japan. Suffice to say, feelings are very bad right now with them, even though Jericho is going to the Tokyo Dome, since he has a separate deal. Nothing has been said regarding John Moxley. Okay, that's uh, beyond the Omega fact. So, earlier this week, Harold May on the New Japan website said... By the way, a few days ago, there were some unbelievable rumors that New Japan tried to prevent Kenny Omega from entering Japan, but there was no reason why a company could not do that. I don't want to do that. I thought it would be... 
I thought it would be through because it was rumors spread from somebody's speculation, but I mentioned that it was important to tell the fact by denying it once. Kenny Omega's made a great contribution to New Japan, and I wish him success. And maybe some of that was uh, lost in translation. But anyway, essentially, Harold May uh, denying this. Now, I think it should be clarified here that it was stated, Kenny Omega, since leaving New Japan, three times he's had trouble getting into Japan. Um, It was not outright said that New Japan caused this, I guess, some people uh, inferred that from mm. it. Um, but nonetheless, that was uh, Harold May's response to that story regarding Kenny Omega. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly this is, uh, I guess, uh, largely based off of speculation. And, um, I, you know, I don't know whether or not the truth will, will come up. But I think something we, we could tell is that there there might be there's going to be interesting stories coming out from Kenny Omega and he said that as much himself where he says uh, he tweeted out on November 8th one day I'm going to have a lot of wild stories to tell about my 2019 that a lot of people don't want to believe but the truth is actually Omega way- man too <laughs> he says but the truth is actually way worse than what's been rumored and or reported until then one day until AEW full gear so this was reported shortly after the these rumors came out and um you know, you. I guess it makes you wonder. Yeah, certainly. So, I don't know. It's one of those, uh, another big major story in 2019 that may or may not go resolved. Look out for Kenny Omega's book one of these days. Ooh. All right, that's going to wrap things up. So, thank you to Andrew Thompson for joining us. All of the great calls. Uh, the show always flies by. Uh, thanks to all your phone calls. Of course, Wei Ting for manning the ship. Thank you, as always. Wei and I will be back on Friday with Rewind to Smackdown. If you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can tune into that as well. A new British wrestling experience coming your way with Martin Bushby, Benno, and Jamesy coming at you. And then the Rocky Maivia Picture Show Saturday with Nate, Thunderstruck on Sunday, and Post Pro Res with myself and WH Park on Sunday night. Busy weekend here at postwrestling.com. That is it. Farewell from the cafe. Farewell from the cafe.